Welcome to Collier's Talks, a podcast series featuring the latest trends, insights, research, and developments in commercial real estate in Canada and beyond. Welcome to Collier's Talks. I'm Jamison Jackson, Managing Director of the Greater Toronto Area Office Practice. In this podcast series, we talk to Canada's fastest growing companies about how they grow, what they do differently, and how they use real estate to accelerate their businesses. Today, we're joined by Adam Mitchell of Mitch Insurance, where we're gonna hear a little bit more about how he got into the business, how he runs it, and how they leverage real estate to help their growth. Stay tuned for what's next. Good afternoon, Adam, and thank you for joining us. Uh, I'm really excited to learn a little bit more about Mitchell Insurance and your own journey and some of the, the different take that you have on insurance. I said your, your motto of making insurance not suck really caught our attention. And I'd love to start with this. How did you start? So you're off kite serving in the Caribbean. You come back. Tell me about that story and really how you got started in business. Sure. Yeah, we can we can go a number of directions on this. So um, currently, Mitchell and Whale Insurance, uh, shortly within weeks to be Mitch Insurance. Um, so that rebrand's coming up. And uh, we have had the mission to make insurance not suck. We'll, we'll elevate to lovable insurance. It's sort of same sentiment. So how did we get started? Um, there's, a, there's a bit of a sad point in this story uh, as, a, as a warning. We, um, I came into the picture uh, as in I moved back to Canada. I was kiteboarding for a living. I used to live in North Carolina. Um, in the summer, I'd be in the Caribbean in the winter and sort of back and forth. And I came back to Canada in 2008 when my dad got cancer. So oh. this previously was my father's business. Um, and before that, it was grandfather's. And so I call it a bit of a refounding story. So I, I just sort of hung up the, the kiteboarding gloves and, and spent time with, with dad. And so unfortunately, the cancer is pretty aggressive. And he, he only made it a, a year and a bit. Um, so in 2009, I ended up getting licensed to babysit the family business. And the family business at that time was one broker and one receptionist. And I was 25 or something and didn't really know what else to do. So got involved in that. The business went up for a sale when my father passed away. And so I bought it off of the estate. And the estate was my mother and brother and I. So I bought out their shares as it wasn't a big business and they didn't have an interest and I had nothing better to do, to be honest. Um, so I thought I'd put my head down and work on that. And one of three things would happen. I'd be 27 and broke and drive the thing into the ground. But like all my other 27 year old friends, um, I'd be level and I would have found a better idea on something else to do or it'll be up. So I put my head down and started working on the business. And, and that was really the inception entry story to it. Wow. Wow. Well, I'm sorry to hear about your dad, but it's certainly, it's an it's interesting set of choices. I like the way that you laid that out. There's sort of three, three options. And the worst one being you're 27 and you're broke, which is pretty much where everybody is at 27 anyway. Right. Um, yeah. That's fantastic. So it, it, it worked out okay. And, sort of from day one, you know, pitfalls and going. And I, I sort of reflect back a lot and think, had I fully um, recognized all the hurdles and uphill battles that were going to be ahead of me or what the odds actually were, 
I don't think I actually would have taken it on. I would have just found something better to do. So there was some ignorance is bliss or that, that whole Dunning-Kruger effect of, I just didn't know how dumb I was. And so then I didn't know the odds against me and you just kind of keep plowing ahead and you know, you got to put in the entrepreneur's hours and other things, but uh, it was an interesting, interesting journey. I'll bet. And you've had phenomenal growth since then. So maybe let's focus on that. I mean, who is Mitch Insurance's ideal customer and what's the unique way that you can, that you can service them, you know, lovable insurance. That's great. Tell me more about that and who's your ideal customer and how do you help? Yeah. So we, we have grown a lot. It's been a hundred percent organic. Um, so we, as in we've acquired each customer one at a time. We never went out and bought other brokerages and amalgamated them up, which would be a classic growth story. Um, and it's been a, a bit of that knife fight along the way um, where you can get really good at M&A and bolt on three or four transactions to get up to the size. So we're about 100 uh, teammates these days. So the, the two employees has grown up to 100. Um, and so the target customer, um, we really started to do well by existing online. So we, we started to get good at online marketing, um, SEO, SEM. And then once we got good at developing leads and finding sources of leads, then we got really good at processing them. We ended up building our own software to hand out um, opportunities to the other insurance brokers. And those opportunities are clients or people that are out there looking for insurance and it could be googling something like how do i you know car insurance quote or office insurance quote or i started a business or and then it really spirals out of there when you when you sort of hammer your values on what you want to stand for and attract a team that'll help live those values um you end up with a lot of referrals and people grow so you know now with that been at it about just over a decade and it's interesting to see the client life cycle journey as well, because somebody who you signed up at 25 or 35 is now 35 or 45, and they've gone through a few raises. Maybe they went through a divorce. Maybe they've quit their job and started a business. Um, and insurance is one of those really interesting things that it's, it's kind of invisible. Nobody thinks about it. Nobody desires to go work in insurance. Um, but without it, the whole economy kind of seizes up. It's kind of the grease in between the wheels and the grease doesn't get a whole lot of credit, but without it, you can't get a new lease. You can't get a new house. You can't get a new car. You're probably not getting married and, you know, kids and life insurance. So it's, it's always there. It's sort of omnipresent. Um, that's, that's we a bit feel of, your that's pain right. and we understand. I mean, very few people grow up and say, you know what? I really want to do commercial real estate for a living. Right. <laughs> very few, but without it, 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 it's hard to get done. So you're, I think your maybe your original customer was somebody who was maybe an early adopter of online purchasing and online, at least investigation of insurance product projects. Sure. And you guys developed a, a real competency around not only attracting them, but being able to process them and get them to the right broker and, and give them a good experience. How has that changed now? Because now people are, I mean, 10 years later, a lot of people search for things online, but you've still got a competitive advantage and you're still winning. How come? Um, I, I think our team is, is just built a little different because it was handpicked um, 
we don't have a huge amount of baggage of, you know, if, if you were really big and successful 10 years ago, you had a different operating system than what maybe needs to succeed today. But because we had relatively nothing, like just the starting little infancy of a brokerage, we were able to put on teammates that were, you know, digital natives, or we could, you know, really teach this idea that there isn't, there isn't a bad risk or something. There's, there's an insurance solution for everyone. Um, and maybe there's the wrong price or package or something. And there are people that are fraudulent. There's some bad actors out there inside any customer base. Um, but it's, I, I like to think that we're really good at processing the, the sales and the idea that if insurance disappeared, um, I bet you I would do well to put our team toe-to-toe in selling any of the next widgets, right? We, we joke and say, you know, you could sell toilet brushes if you find the opportunity onto a salesperson and you process it through diligently, respectfully. Can we remove any steps? Is there anything we could automate? We were a pretty early adopter. I mean, you guys have gotten there as far as uh, digital signatures and getting rid of paper and this ability to click to sign documents on your phone. And we were doing it years ago and it's, it's, it's nice. It, it turns to be the new standard for doing business. So 10 years ago, Amazon was kind of a thing for early adopters. Now it's damn convenient. Mm. Like the average Amazon customer, I'm not sure they even terribly price shop. You just, know and trust that that's going to be if it's at the top there it's going to be a pretty good value it's got great rating yeah one click send it to me um and so we're kind of progressing into this category of a a stronger brand a stronger track record a pretty big team and yeah we can do a lot of business really easily interesting so it's almost like you mentioned amazon as an example what it sounds like is you took the similar approach that Amazon did as say focusing on the customer experience and saying, what can we automate? How can we make this frictionless? How can we make this easy? And to me, that that's a real differentiator because that does not happen in insurance. The idea of customer experience and you know trying to automate things and make it easier to do. That's, I mean, the tools may change, but that approach is always going to have traction. Yeah, I, I think that's true. And and here's one other pretty big differentiator. We took a, a really long approach, um, almost from the inception, that we were going to try and have as many insurance company partners as possible. And what we wanted to build was the equivalent of a, a stock market access. So if Jamie came to us um, and said, hey, we're shopping for this home insurance, this office, I wanted to be able to go to the entire marketplace and say, please give Jamie your offering for what he's trying to insure. And then I want to be able to look Jamie in the eye and say, I don't care where you go. It doesn't matter to me, but here is the entire market spread. So to flip it on the other side, imagine if you had listings on every single office building across Canada mm-hmm. and Adam's coming to pick out a new office. And you say, I don't, know, I don't have a horse in the race. I don't care. I'll help you navigate at this stage in your life this looks like a pretty sweet office for you guys. Um, what about this one? I said, no, I like that one. You say, I like it too. I'm cool. Let's go talk through that one. Um, as opposed to many of our competitors would have one single product. They have a really strong marketing team. They have a really strong sales team and good process to, you know, push through a lot of that product. But 
if Jamie goes to another stage of his life where that's no longer a perfect fit, they don't have another option. Mm -hmm. Jamie's got to go back to the market, reshop, start again and figure it out. The long-term approach to dig into that was because that meant a lot more complexity for us in the back end. That meant a lot less revenue and bonusing and volume things you would expect to come out of it. But now fast forward, we have 70 insurance companies and each of those insurance companies has probably on average 40 products or more. So the, the multiple effect of what gets offered to Jamie at the singular phone call or singular email is, is big. Well, because we're in the real estate business, we're always curious, how does real estate drive the business and insurance these days, especially with the advent of electronic signatures? How do you use real estate? Is that, what's the future for that? How does that interact? Do customers still want to come in and sign stuff or how do you use your real estate these days? Yeah, I'll, I'll give you the how do we use our real estate these days and then and then some other questions about we're curious about how we're going to use it in the future. So right now we have eight people sitting in the office with me and we're sitting in about 26,000 square feet. So we're in a pretty big um, office building that surrounds a warehouse. It surrounds an Amazon warehouse, funny enough, um, yeah. out in Whitby. And uh, our second location is is downtown Toronto. And it's very small. So that one's a satellite office um, in the financial district. And it's it serves a couple of purposes as a as a, a meeting point, uh, a launching point. It's an address, whether it be on the it used to be a business card. Now it's sort of conversations. Um, it reflects to Google and some others on where you trade and do business. Um, but majority of our people are at home. So when we came into this office and built it out um, and your team would have a ton of photos of it or we can get them, um, we built a sort of Google tech open environment. Uh, there's golf simulator, foosball, Nerf, beer taps, et cetera, et cetera, hammocks. I keep going. Um, and we had a good time. It was great for the team to sort of collaborate, no dress code, walk around wireless headsets, get things done. Every Friday, we'd have cheers and sort of gather in a kitchen party. Um, but now, thanks COVID. So what's the go forward plan? Well, we just continue to scale as COVID is going through. And not because of scale or it didn't really hurt us. The business was just maturing and growing. But as we had sent everybody home, our hiring really dispersed. So now we have people, um, Barrie, Thunder Bay, Alberta, Hamilton, uh, out to Kingston, Halifax, it, it's everywhere. So now I'm wondering how do we embrace this culture of this team and the way we want to interact with our teammates when our teammates are scattered everywhere? Are we going to need hubs? Are there going to be smaller remote offices in between each of these people? Um, is it going to be expandable space for events and things? We're not really sure, but it's Pretty sure it's going to be something around our, our culture. And you, know, you don't need it as much for doing business. Like what appears where people have got labeled the great resignation. I, I prefer the great reshuffle as things have just sort of moved around. But people are realizing that they, you know, have a little more family time or a little less gas burning and a little less commuting. And, you know, where is this going to land? I think we're just trying to keep our head on a swivel and make sure we're pivoting appropriately and assessing the new landscape each time. So we don't just try and pendulum swing ourselves back into what used to be. 
that's, it's, that's how we ended up getting a lot of great talent. Um, some other operators demanded their team come back to the office. People said, actually, I have some options. And they were right. Absolutely. Yeah, the, I think the future of work, the, there's very, very few of our clients that are going to say five days a week in the office every single day and go back. It's not going to go back to that. And, and it's also not something new. This hybrid work environment is not new. Um, we had one financial services client. They had 40% of their desks empty before COVID. Mm. This is not new. It's just accelerated. And the new office space is going to be people coming in to three days a week, maybe one day a week. And it's going to depend on commute times and job roles. And it's going to be a completely different experience than it was before. And what if it's, what if it's more social? Like what if you're just going wherever you need to go to do your best work? Maybe your best work is Starbucks and your you know, neighbors is their basement and the other ones share space, whatever but you're coming to the office with the purpose of colliding with and mingling with your team. Um, you know, it, it's, it's interesting. I'm not, I'm not sure which way it's all going to land, but uh, we'll keep pivoting. Tell me about that too. So with this, they, they talk about the great sort of talent shortage right now, and you're picking up talent because you're saying like, well, you can work remote we can do these types of things. How's that affected your business? Have you seen a big reshuffle or has it just been net added? Um, there's been some reshuffle. There's, there's some people that did not transition well to the work from home, like back in the mandated work from home early days. And I mean, these weren't people that we sourced out and hired onto the team to do that. So it wasn't a previous vetting thing or you, you know, disciplined enough to get up and do it. And uh, so uh, we lost some team, but, yeah, net net, we're up a bunch. Um, I'm proud and ashamed. I don't want to gloat on it, but we we have a waiting list for a number of our positions. So there's just a constant stream of of resumes coming in. I think there was a lot of people that watched some of our brand in our little industry that weren't in our trading territory. So when Forever Remote came up and their place is pushing them to come back or their place is struggling either with volumes and changes and technology is now very prevalent. Um, we stand out as a pretty neat option. So, so you have actually have a wait list for your open positions. Yeah. For the first time and sort of started about six months ago. Um, we, we brought on a new head of HR and yeah. That's amazing. That's it. Now that is a story to tell. I mean, that, that would be a whole interview in and of itself. And how do you accomplish that? Because most people are in, in the exact opposite position right now. Yeah, it's un, fortunately or unfortunately, it, I think it's like asking somebody how they got a six pack. It's I don't know that there's a thing. I think it's like <laughs> a bunch of years of decent decisions. And we decided a while ago that we wanted to be the best place to work um, and attract the best teammates. And I figured if we could get the best teammates on our team. And then if our marketing was coming along that we had a strong access to clients, we were going to last a long time. Um, and so those are the sort of macro strategies. I'm like, okay, what sort of place do the best people in insurance want to work? How can we be the best offer for them? What can we do for them? You know, as if they were interviewing us and marketing is another sort of kettle of fish, but yeah, I think, um, that sort of thinking and that North star has led us to be uh, pretty good at it. 
Interesting. So what's the next step then? What's the future? Um, I, I don't think we're fully out of the, the COVID changes and pieces. I mean, we get to have no mask now and hang out a little bit more, but like, I don't feel like the dust has settled on what the new normal is. Um, so I think there'll be a lot coming out of that as far as how much office space do we need? Is it going to be more flexible space? Will it be shared space? Like what will normal look like in a, in a couple of years? Um, we've now licensed across Canada, so we'll have a bit of a national expansion. We just had a small acquisition in Alberta. Um, that'll be interesting. Um, we're starting to sniff around in the States and, and investigate, should we be starting to look South? Um, uh, on the the actual brand, there's a, a rebrand coming out in a couple of weeks here, and sort of that'll be Mitch. Um, so with that is a ton of work and logos, colors, stickers, other fun stuff. I actually have one on my desk here. So this are stickers. I'm just about to turn my my laptop from an <laughs> Apple into a Mitch. <laughs> I like it. People might get brand confusion. Like I love that laptop. Yeah. It's beautifully designed. Yeah. <laughs> and well insured. Yeah. Um, yeah, I got interesting. Yeah, well, the the future is a uh, as always. They say uh, the future is hard to predict, especially because it's in the future. I've heard that quote a bunch of times, and it's. I think a lot of companies are looking at well, what's next, and it's always that constantly moving kaleidoscope of here's where the opportunity is, and here's where we think we can go, and those things are often colliding. Well, so I, I mean, the little parable book, whatever it is, 20 pages of, of who moved my cheese, I think mm-hmm. is, is incredibly relevant of what's going to change is the, the change will be the constant and, and your strategy of whatever you laid out and however you operate it is only as relevant as your competitor's next move. And guess what? They're making moves faster and fiercer than, you know, ever in the history. And then layer on top of that, an accelerant of technology. So now what used to be unreachable for many is just an off-the-shelf technology and system and things that can get out there. Um, like 10 years ago, we were one of the only brokers that would come up when somebody would Google. Now everybody has a website and everybody's got a local present and they're all starting to figure it out. And these are the things that will just keep happening. And so back to the book of if you keep your head on the swivel and the cheese will keep moving and then, you know, a, a war pops up, right? And then, you know this thing happens and the next COVID who knows, but things will keep happening. Well, I think your North star of, you know, focusing on the customer experience, making that an easy friction free process, a, that never goes out of style. Never. That is a sustainable advantage. And particularly in insurance offers a, a really quite a unique turning point. Yeah. Uh, You want to know an interesting one. Um, we went through all kinds of automation. We did a chat bot and you could go online and do this and you had a robot automated and they suck. Like as soon as you watch the thing and actually look at the conversations that are happening, you're like this is painful. And so we killed it. And what our actual North Star service standard is right now is uh, every, um, a response given uh, within 60 seconds. So if you are telephoning, we want the call answered in 60 seconds. If you're emailing, texting, et cetera, And that's incredibly hard to do, especially after hours and other things. So you got to first accomplish it inside your business hours. But what will keep happening for Jamie is you'll keep coming up with new scenarios where insurance will have a question or something. And the more we can be 
painless and invisible and just let you go on with your life and go after your dreams, um, that's the better job we can do. So as, as simple as it sounds of answering the phone in 60 seconds, uh, at scale, it's really difficult, but we're pushing really hard for exactly that. And that's answered by a real person in 60 yeah. seconds. Yeah, a, a really smart, nice person, right? Like wow. you, could, you could farm the thing out and get a call center for pennies on the dollars that has no idea what you're actually talking about. But no, an actual broker that can actually help you. And, and how do we manage that? Right. With a license and ready to go. That is an incredible accomplishment. 60 seconds is amazing. Well, I don't say, I don't want to say that we're fully baked and done there because there's, there's many times that it goes into, you know, 20 minutes, right? But there, there's things to remove the pain, but having that North Star there, like, you know, what's going to make Jamie's life and interacting with us really easy? That, right? Like, he doesn't want to yeah. wait on hold for our availability, right? Like, we should wait for him. Like, how do we make that insurance worry or question disappear? And so that's, that's what we're working on. I love it. This is a great story. And Adam, I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us. Um, this has been a great story. And uh, I would encourage anyone who has questions about insurance to reach out to you. That's amazing. Thank you. Cool. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Collier's Talks podcast. To learn more about Colliers Canada, our experts, and our solutions, visit colliercanada.com or find us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook.